Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jerry Van Forst, and I'm one of the pastors at Life Church as well. Thanks for joining us. I'm actually sitting outside uh, in my backyard and listening to about 50 million birds chirping right now. Um, it's a beautiful day. And um, I'm just thinking about all of you who are part of Life Church, um, wanting to pray for you and um, be mindful of, of this season that we're in. Uh, but also anybody who might not be part of Life Church, but somehow has stumbled upon this podcast. I want to thank you for listening as well. Uh, this is a unique season. That, been, that phrase has been probably overly used, uh, but I think people are feeling it in a variety of different ways. and It's expressed itself as this season has unfolded in different ways as well. And so we're praying for you. We're thinking about you. This is challenging. Um, can be lonely for some people as well. Uh, but sometimes I think just knowing that somebody else is aware of it, and is thinking about you and praying for you can be helpful as well. Uh, you're going to hear a sermon from Nathan today, our, one, our lead pastor, and um, he's going to be sharing a little bit more from the book of Ephesians. And it's a great message. Uh, and so I hope you are able to tune in the whole time and listen all the way through because there's a lot of good nuggets there for our growth and our faith. I also want to invite you to uh, subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others, but also uh, if you're willing to uh, be generous to Life Church and to commit um, a, a donation or to even give on a recurring basis, I want to invite you to visit lifechurchcampton.org slash give. Uh, your investment makes a huge difference in the work that we get to do. And so now, uh, I want to turn your attention to Pastor Nathan. Enjoy the sermon. Welcome, everybody. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful that you're here, especially if you're brand new. If you're brand new, could you just let us know? You can do that two ways. One, if you're watching this live, you can say, I'm new, right in the comments, and someone will get in touch with you. Or you can go to our now page, which is lifechurchcanton.org slash now. It's got all the information about what's happening now, as well as a digital connect card, which you can fill out for any reason whatsoever, whether you need prayer or you just want us to know this is your first time. We think it's so important that we connect with you. Now, if you've been coming for a while, or even if this is your very first time, would you do me a favor and share this? whether it's the podcast or Facebook Live or however you're watching it, could you share it? It makes a huge difference. We've heard stories of people who had messages that were dear to someone's heart shared with them, and they started attending or they started a conversation. You don't understand how powerful it is, so go ahead and share it. Now, it's, it's, you know, it's time for 4th of July. It's time to celebrate. We just celebrated Juneteenth, and that's a celebration of freedom. What do you love to do? What's your favorite 4th of July activity? What's your favorite freedom activity? Maybe it's making that special food or whatever, but mine comes to mind immediately is fireworks. Now, when I'm talking about fireworks, I'm not talking about these little sparklers. You know what I'm talking about? The ones you give your kids, and it's fun for like five seconds. You know, that, that's pretty sweet. Look at that. That's nice. But I like fireworks for a certain reason. I like the light that comes from them. Something about it, kind of like a campfire, when you just stare into it, man, it, it just changes things. I love it. It 
doesn't, um, it's not 4th of July unless that smell. You know what I'm talking about, that firework smell? But that was like the dinkiest little thing in the world. I'm going to throw this right here in this bucket for water. So then they came out with these, which are kind of cool. Like, my kids can handle these. They're a little fun. Every once in a while, there's a little sparkle thing that happens in the middle of it. That's why it's important to have a big lighter. But that one's better, right? You would say that this is a better sparkler, way better. Watch, it's going to do some popping action here in just a little bit. Or this one will be a dud and not do it. But what is it about light? Our eyes are drawn to it. Yeah, look at that. That's just fun. Our eyes are drawn to it and what's going on. We look at it and it screams to us celebration. And we just can't take our eyes off of it. But... I like to go big. Do you like to go big? I like to go big. And this here is a sparkler sword. Now, I thought in the, uh, that this is the most manly thing I have ever seen until I read it and it says it's the princess sword. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know about that, but I'm, I'm going to try this out. We'll see what happens in here, but look at that. Let's see. I hope this is good. Uh-oh. Oh, Yeah. Yes. Yeah, look at that. Now that's a sparkler. Who here likes that? This is just waving the right. Is that making anybody nervous right now? Just on the stage? Look at that thing. That's amazing. I love this thing. This I bet you I could light so much stuff on fire with it. Something about celebration and excitement. Oh my gosh. Like, wow. That's awesome. Um, I hope the fire alarm doesn't go off. But isn't that amazing? Don't you love it? Aren't you just drawn to it, whether you're terrified or what's going to happen or something's going to light on fire? That was good. That was good. I don't care who you are. That was fun. What is it about fireworks shining a light? It's attractive. It's celebrative. It's good. Light is something that makes the monsters under the bed go away. Light keeps you from stubbing your toe and starting to speak in tongues in the middle of the night on the way to the bathroom. Light is something that we need, and it's good. Do you know that for those of us who know Jesus, we're the light of the world? We're the light of the world. We're this thing that shows celebration. We're this group of people that shine a light into the darkness. And if I could hope for anything for you today, is that you would shine a light in a world of darkness. That you would shine a light in a world of darkness. We all shine a light. We all emanate something. We all project something into the world. The question is, what kind of something? Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 22 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he goes on even to say this. If then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Where we fix our eyes matters. When we fix our eyes on God, we're filled with light. It's like He shines into us. We shine bright in a world looking for guidance. But if we fix our focus on something else, something other than God, it says here that we will be full of darkness. I know none of you want to be full of darkness, but this last line, this one's getting me. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You either shine a light or you shine a darkness. 
you either shine forward light or kind of like a black hole, something else is happening. See, black holes, people say that it sucks in light. Well, actually what it does is it doesn't let light escape. And for many of us, we have let darkness fill us up so much that we're like a, a spreading black hole, not letting the light out. What I want for you today is that you would shine bright. But in order to do that, we can't fix our eyes on darkness. We can't fix our eyes on the things of this world. We cannot return to the darkness. We can't. We must grow. And Ephesians is teaching us how to do that. We're going to pick up exactly where we left off last week on Ephesians 5, 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. There are these empty words, these deceptive things that we are called not to partner with. And we have partnered with teachings that do not come from God. We filled our eyes with what is come in the world and it's starting to come out. We've told white lies. We've discolored the truth. We've gossiped. We begin to steal. We become angry. We've sought revenge. We've been promiscuous. Those are big, huge Christian ter terms, you know, talking about big sins. What does that mean to partner with those things? Well, we've been partnering with the teachings of the day that sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage is not only fine but smart and wise before starting a life together. We've partnered with teachings of the day and we've written off lives as less than our own, whether they're black, brown, or unborn. We partner with the teaching that we have every right to do whatever we want and need not submit to anything that we haven't discovered for ourselves. We define our own future, no one else. We define ourselves, that we are rugged individuals who hold no responsibility for our community's past and we're beholden to no one now. The list goes on and on. Is this sermon about those things? No. It's a reminder to continue to confront the darkness that seeps in, into our hearts, into our eyes, because if our eyes are unhealthy, our whole body will be full of darkness but we have been called to shine a light. And you, you that know Jesus, you're a child of the light. In fact, it goes on in Ephesians 5, 8 through 9. For once you were darkness, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. No matter what, you are called into the light. And I'm calling you into that light today as I call myself into the light of God to step out of the darkness. And we, we've become comfortable with darkness by failing to expose it. And today, I want us all to learn to expose the darkness that seeps into our hearts and our communities. See, part of growing up and maturing is correction there's never maturity without correction. And Paul is calling his people in this moment, in this letter that he has written, that we've been going on for how many weeks now? He's calling them to live in a new way and abandon the old. In fact, in the first half of Ephesians, he spent so much time 
helping us remember who we are. And from out of that, we act, that we've been adopted into this multi-ethnic family of Jesus Christ. You are a son or daughter of the king if you know Jesus, and you could be a son or daughter of the king if you choose him today. It's a huge family, and it's a bunch of messed up people who are being restored and and are restored, and it's wonderful. It's messy, and it's bound together by God, specifically by the Holy Spirit, who binds us together in the truth of who we are. We have a code. It's on our wall, and uh, that code is what we, why we do what we do. And the first half of Ephesians is all about our first two code statements, which is, you belong, you're adopted, you're part of it. To encounter Jesus, you can have unity with God again, you can know him, and through that you can be transformed. And it's from this solid foundation that everything else comes. It's a reminder that you are no longer a child of darkness, you are something new. We are no longer children of darkness, but children of light. Therefore, and this is where it shifts in what we've been talking about in the second half, therefore, it's time to do some things. A couple weeks ago, I asked you guys to grow up, but not in a negative way, but like, hey, it's time to grow up. Today, what I'd like to do is challenge you to light it up, to grow up and then light up the world, to light some things up. And as you're doing some Fourth of July stuff and lighting off fireworks, I want you to be reminded that, that God wants to ignite you and that you would show something to the world that they need to see, not only illuminating the darkness, but experiencing some kind of celebration that only comes from God. Let's shine some light on those dark places. And with that heart, let's jump into what's next. Verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. Seek God and find out what pleases Him. Daniel asked us if we're making our decisions based on God's word or if we're making decisions and asking God just to bless whatever we do. That's part of this understanding. Seek out what God wants. Seek God. Are you seeking Him lately? What pleases Him? Let, let me ex- ask it this way. Second question, and I'd love for you to comment below if you're watching this live, but this question answer, what pleases you as a parent or what pleases you as a student? What pleases you as a spouse? What makes you happy? What It's just something that makes your heart sing. I love gifts. I mean, seriously, that's like I love gifts. But not just anything, not just like money. No, things that show that someone noticed something about me to understand what I like. A a gift that says, I see you. And if you're you're like me, you're like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm pleased when when this happens. Recently on Father's Day, I got a couple of gifts. I had a wonderful um, couple in the church. They sent me a bookmark and it had my name on it. And it it was like embossed with OSU stuff all over it because they see me. They get me. They know me. I love that. It's a good thing. Uh, But I was just down in Mississippi and there's this local place. I thought it was called Squirrely Pete's. uh, But it was like this place where they sold hot sauce and I couldn't get enough of it. And my family saw that I loved it. And so they brought me some hot sauce. I'm going to have some steak later with this Mosher's, not Squirrely Pete. I don't even know where I got that from. Mosher's smoked peach hot sauce. Amen. Amen. That's some good stuff. You can't have any. 
another thing that I got, and I've already been using it. See, someone noticed every once in a while I like to have a cigar, and I was having one with a friend, and um, I was lighting with some inferior lighters, and then I had, like, at one point I actually pulled, like, an ember out of the fire on the end of a stick and tried to light. It was just terrible and a, and a travesty to all cigars, and so they bought me this amazing lighter, and now I never have to worry again, and I can also light fireworks on fire, which is the best. But I was pleased by these gifts. Maybe it's not a gift for you, but what pleases you? When we love someone, we try to find out how to please them. And when we fix our eyes on God, we start to notice what makes him happy. God's word is clear about what God's will is and what pleases him. And the Lord has laid it out for us. To live a life to the fullest pleases him too. To follow his will, to live in the freedom of being children of light. And it pleases him not to return to darkness because he paid so much for us to become light. Let's keep reading. 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Don't return to it. But rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But in just a second, expose them. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. What is it saying here? This is so important. God is calling us to expose darkness. This is how we stay children of the light and grow in that. And we want to expose them. Why? Because when light hits darkness, darkness has to flee. It's gone. But not only that, the way light works, it reflects things. It's going even farther and saying when something is illuminated, it itself becomes a light. How powerful is that? We aren't just getting rid of darkness, but we are becoming a light. And this thing happens over and over and over again. We have to drive it back. Now, darkness, it withers in the light. And what we might be so afraid to expose in our own hearts, what we want to hide in, maybe hide in that darkness, put it in a room where we shut the door and we don't let God in that area of our life. God, you can lead me in everywhere except and fill in the blank. Finances, my relationships, my children. I don't know what it is for you, but we hide things from him. But when it is exposed to the light, it becomes something different. In fact, sometimes your greatest misery, which is a place where maybe you have kept God out of, can become your greatest ministry. The stories of people who hid so long but then came to the light and it became a place of strength to lead other people to the light. Maybe God wants to do that in you. So how do you do this? How do you expose things? Confession, that's a big church word, isn't it? Confess, right? That sounds so, ooh, what is going on here? I feel like I'm losing something. But what this is, is a practice between people who love Jesus, usually people who trust each other, where someone says, I need to confess to you that I am struggling with this darkness. Maybe it's a sin issue or something else, and I need to ask God for forgiveness. And what happens in confession is that the person who's hearing the confession can help guide people to God in forgiveness. And in this place of greatest vulnerability, where you just kind of open up the doors... They can be the word of God. They can be the light of Jesus for you. That is confession. Hard question for you. Have you ever confessed sin in your life? Now, if you're commenting below, please don't tell us what that is right now. That's something you need to do on your own with someone else. But have you done it? And what was that like? Some of it's been good. Some of it's been bad. But God calls us to confess Exposing darkness in our heart through confession becomes a way to shine a light and drive out darkness in your heart. So have you done this? 
lately. In fact, it's kind of like these bulbs that we have on the stage. And when you confess, what happens is you actually get a chance to shine a light. Because when light enters into you, you are illuminated, but then that light shines out of you. And you give people the ability to go after this. You give people the courage to do the same thing. We need to expose the darkness. Matthew 18, 15, as we move from ourselves to our community, you may, I'm just going to read it. Listen, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. And what this is, is when we need to address sin, darkness in our brothers' and sisters' lives, those who know Christ and are following Him. And I'm telling you, this is not great. When people see something wrong with someone else, what do they do first? Go right to that person and confront them. No, most of the time not, unless it's your kid and they're eating your candy from the cupboard, right? Like most of the time, we want to what? We want to talk. We want to talk about it. We want to gossip. Oh, we'll, we'll dress it up. It's not gossip. It's venting. Oh, it's, it's not gossip. It's just processing. It's something where we decide to, instead of addressing it with someone, we're going to address it with something else. It's like dressing up darkness in light's clothes. But we do this. This is hard. And then often, after we've talked about it with many people, or at least two or three people, except the person you're supposed to talk to about it, we actually act without approaching them or ever addressing it, or we let a story grow in our mind forever. And everything they do is seen through the lens of that darkness. Now, maybe that darkness is something that they've done to you or to someone else, but we just let it go. That, when you share it with other people and never address it with the person, that is gossip. That is not what God has for you. Now, let me take it a little farther. Jesus said this as well in Matthew 5. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, you're in worship, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. See, this goes beyond just addressing sin. This is talking about reconciliation, about restoring relationship. So it's saying if you have disunity in your heart, you know something's wrong between you and another person, they have something against you or you have something against them, Maybe it's a disagreement that you haven't come to terms with. If there's disunity in your heart with someone in your community, it gets in the way of the unity you can have with God. The words of Jesus. He's saying, look, if you don't deal with this, this is going to affect our worship, our time together. And there's almost this begging, like, please deal with it. Dissonance, disunity, anger, Bitterness between you and another is your responsibility to address to the best of your ability. That is what God is saying lights up the darkness. Man, I struggle with this. Do you struggle with this? That's hard. We get wrapped up in our minds so much, don't we? I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to go after this, to shine a light to the best of my ability. But church, we... We are struggling with this. We are letting this spread darkness. We are not children of the light when we do this. When we can dress up the darkness of disunity and dissonance and frustration 
in the sheep's clothing of processing or low relational capital or venting. But in the end, it's just triangulation, a product of fear. It is gossip. It is darkness. It is disunity. And it does not please God. That's a darkness that spreads. The Qumran, the area, there's Dead Sea Scrolls, and these scrolls we got from one of the earliest um, times of the church as we had these translations of the Bible, and then we had these scrolls from back then, and we got to compare and see all this crazy cool stuff about how, how well we've preserved the Bible, but I won't get into that. What was interesting is they also found uh, information about the community. I want to read to you one of the rules that they had in regards to this. It says, anyone who sees another member breaking God's commandment is to rebuke the person concerned, i.e. to say to him, what you have done or what you are doing is not just in the eyes of God. And then it goes further. He must not express this reprimand angrily or with pride or hatred, but rather with real faithfulness, humility, and merciful love. That's great. But look where he takes us. Look how much they were dedicated to this unity, dedicated to not letting darkness grow in their hearts or in other people's lives. He said, but he must make the other aware of his sin on the same day and may not postpone the matter until the next day. Wow, but they're not done yet. Look what else they said. Otherwise, he is held responsible before God for any further sinning on the part of the other. Whoa. Well, man, that, that seems like then there's a lot of responsibility. In this community, they corporately took responsibility for each other. This is incredible. So I'm going to ask you a really hard question. A question I ask myself every time I go to God in prayer. Do you have something against someone that you have not addressed? What are you going to do about it? We are children of light, not children of darkness. God has something incredible for us, church. If we embrace this, if something changes in our heart, and maybe we're not just like the, the Qumran, the ASEAN community, but maybe we just don't let things fester. Maybe think we go after this. But instead, I'm afraid we're letting darkness in our own heart or in someone else's heart continue. I'm going to tell you this with as much shepherding and love, I can say, you have a responsibility to them and to this community. I know it's hard, but so is becoming an adult and addressing issues with humility and grace, growing up so we can light it up. This is hard work, but it is good work. It is godly work. We can emanate, but are we shining a light? Are we shining darkness? Will you let that continue in yourself, your family, or your community? Will you go after this? Or will you choose to light it up? My commitment to you is this, that in every way I'm going to pursue this with all my heart, that I'm going to love people and have grace and mercy, and that anyone who comes to me with an issue, I want to love them and hear and have mute unity and humility. Why? Because this, the light of God, the light of Christ, matters more than anything else. Do you have something against someone? Hmm. 
Let's keep going. It got heavy. Let's, let's move on here to verse 14. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's almost like Paul knew that we are like in our feelings right now. Like we're like, oh man, that was really hard. This is difficult. I mean, I don't know if I want to hear that. He knew that. And, and you're like, well, how do you know that he knew that? I'm like, well, because he's saying hard things, and, and humans are the same, and we always struggle with this. But he's saying something, and he actually writes that wake up, sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you was actually most likely a song that they sang over people right when they came out of the water in baptism. That's cool. Like what I mean, wake up, oh sleeper, you're alive. Christ's lights will shine on you. It's almost like he's saying remember Christ. Remember what he's done. Remember what I told you at the beginning of this book, that you belong. You belong, you belong, you belong. So you can encounter Jesus, so you can have the courage to move forward and to address the darkness inside of you and confess, but also inside of others and the disunity that you have and and start to change and grow. It's a reminder. Paul always points back to the light, always points back to Christ. He wants to shepherd his people well. And I love this, this imagery. Um, Jared was sharing with me, but I, I completely agree. Uh, anyone have an issue with, like, you know, light when they're sleeping? Anyone have to wear a face mask or anything like that? If someone comes in and they turn on the bathroom light and it shines into my face, um, a rage builds inside of me of which the world has never known. Like, no, it's just this, like, rah, turn it off. Like, I, like, there's something to me I can't. I can't stay asleep. When we shine light in our lives, we can't stay asleep anymore. We get awoken by what God is doing. If you want to be woke, if you want to be awake, if you don't want to be sleepy because darkness makes you sleepy, darkness dulls you, darkness causes you to hide, but light causes you to glow. If you want to be woke, you have to let God's light in. Otherwise, You are just emanating darkness. It is not a neutral thing. Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful then how you live. And I'm feeling that. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Another, this says fool. Not as a fool, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. We know what the Lord's will is. We know what pleases him. It's in his word. Be careful how you live. Your actions matter. And from this place of you belong to encounter Jesus, you can move forward into relentlessly pursuing others and multiplying and doing whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. Like all those things come from this place of belonging, but they demand that we move forward. I think about relentless pursuit of one more, which is all about the idea that there are those right now who are watching this, but those in our lives who need Jesus, and we will never stop going after them. But let me ask a question. Is the gospel you profess through your life actually good news? Is your actions showing that this gospel from God is good news? That's why we have to have godly action That's why we have to have godly conduct. Like last week, Pastor Daniel was telling us about godly conduct. This matters what we do. And together, church, will we do the hard work of lighting up the darkness? Will we? The more we do this, the greater our light shines. The more we shine, the more God gets glory. 
The more new life, the more transformation, the more that people are saved, the more that people overcome drug addiction, the more that people don't try to kill themselves anymore but are received in, the more we overcome depression. Are you with me? Man, somebody better have said, bake that bread, or something, or amen, or let it be so, or whatever you say when you say that's right. Man, do you want this? This is what God has for you because you are a child of light. Now, let's move on. Almost there. 518. Do not get drunk on wine. What? Okay, wait, what? what? Why is that there? This is weird. Okay, let's read the whole thing first. Have you ever done that? Like, you've got to read the whole thing. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, bad things, right? Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's how I felt when I first read that. I'm like, whoa, why is that there? This is a wonderful admonition. It's, it's a good thing. God says, don't be drunk. That's a good thing, but he's not putting it in here just like a random thought. He's creating it as the opposite of this. To get drunk on wine is the opposite of being filled with the Spirit. It's the antithesis of it. And there's a whole entire sermon just in that. For clarity, I want you to know I'm not saying don't drink. I'm not saying to drink. I'm saying don't be drunk. That's what I'm saying. That's what Paul is saying. But he's saying that drunkenness is antithetical to being filled with the Spirit, to be filled with light. It's a poor substitute to a better filling, being filled with the Spirit. See, Paul's reminding them in this moment that they have the Holy Spirit within them. and says in other areas, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which you receive from God? You are not your own. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's what he's reminding them. But Paul is saying to live a new life. We need the Holy Spirit. To be filled with power and presence and peace of God, we need the Holy Spirit. That this conversation about light is is all connected to what God does inside of us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to overcome the lies of the enemy. And I want you, every single one of you today, to be a better light in the darkness, to shine bright the light of God. And you do that by connecting to the power of God, which if you know Jesus Christ, is in you. Light is attractive. It's celebrative. And the Holy Spirit not only allows us to have godly conduct and do the right things, to act right, but it reveals the darkness inside of our hearts and then it illuminates. If you open the door to it, he will illuminate you. All right, Paul, how are we going to do this? Let's go. What's next? Okay, so we need to be filled with the Spirit by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I'm a little confused. The answer to experiencing the presence of the Spirit, he goes right to singing. Is that where you think? I mean, it's the Word of God and all these things, but he goes right to singing, to sing to each other. To sing to yourself. Like, really? The first thing Paul does to explain how to be filled with the Spirit is to sing? How beautifully weird. I love the Bible. Have you read it lately? It's weird, and I love it. You know, singing today, where do you sing? Well, you might sing in a band, or you might sing in a choir. You might sing at a campground, at a, you know, those hokey songs, you know, from your youth. You might sing at some concerts, but most of us don't really sing together outside of church, and some of us don't sing ever inside a church. And why do we do songs, worship? Why did we bring Jared here 
Why is this happening? Jared's the name of the guy who was doing worship earlier. For those of you who just tuned in for the sermon part, you need to go back and watch it. It was really, really, really good. and It was a lot of fun. Why do we do that? Is that for entertainment? Is that a precursor just to the sermon? Like, okay, get everybody in the right frame of mind and then preach? No. We don't sing for your entertainment primarily, but we sing together to draw into the presence of God. People who don't believe in God have told us that they're drawn into worship, not just because it is well executed, but because the Spirit moves in worship. It communicates something. We're made to sing, even if you can't sing very well, like me. I still belt it out. It's a joyful sound to one person, and that's the Lord. Now, people who don't believe in God are drawn to it. We're called to be in it. And when we sing, it's like turning up the dimmer switch on the light in our hearts. It's like boosting the power. It fills the room with God's glory because light inside of us pours out because the Holy Spirit is in us. We were made to worship from the very beginning. That's our purpose. And singing is part of it. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when we sing, it's like the whole temple is full of light. The atmosphere changes when we sing. And even though you are in your homes right now, God is singing over you. Will you join him and sing back? You may not like worship, but when you worship, something changes in your heart. The last way we can light up is this question. Will you worship with us? Will you take one more step in singing? Will you take one more step into it? Because when you do, you shine a light and you glow. I love our stage so much because we have all these lights above it. It reminds me that all of us have a light. All of us have a light that we emanate. And together, it's even more beautiful than one. It reminds me that when we sing together, the symphony is amazing. Will you stick it out to the end today and worship? And when we position ourselves to experience God through worship and singing, we often experience this infilling of light. It rained like crazy Tuesday morning. I don't know if you remembered it, but it was like crazy heavy, and we needed it. We didn't have any. I am never, ever going to complain about a day of sunshine in Michigan. We get like 12 of them. But man, it was getting long, and all of a sudden, everything's dying and drying out. Lifeless. Do you feel that way? Do you feel dry? Disconnected from community? Do you need the courage to confront the brokenness in others and within you? Are you tired? When we sing, it's like when the rain comes down. And positioning ourselves is this idea that when we step out into the reign of God, we are refreshed, we are renewed. And all we have to do is hold our hands out to receive. That's what it means to be positioned. Paul knew that you would need the Holy Spirit to grow up and to light it up. And he's reminding them again and again, you cannot do this on your own. You've got to position yourself to experience the healing of God. So will you worship with us? Don't you want to shine bright like amazing firework but just keeps going and going? Don't you want to be a church that doesn't let the darkness seep in but drives it out 
Because if we let darkness grow, it's just going to be like a black hole. It's not going to let things escape. It's going to suck things in. Keep God from, keep us from experiencing what God has for us. So what will it take? It will take us together singing and experiencing the presence of God. It will take forgiveness and hard conversations and worship. God brings the light, and it is our job to let him light up the darkness within us, to let the Holy Spirit rise up in us when we pray. It's time to move, and so here's my action steps for you. This is what I want you to do. I want you to expose the darkness, expose the disunity. Take action against sin. Some of you are going to have to make a plan about finally addressing that thing that you didn't want to address, that thing that you need to change, that God's been calling you to change. And that's probably going to take some confession. It's probably going to take you going and bringing someone aside and confessing to them and just saying, I need your help with this. I need to practice this with someone that you trust. So you need to practice confession this week. And finally, some of us are going to need to speak to people who we have a problem with as soon as possible. Be led by the people who preserve the scripture of God. Be led by them. It's not a rule, but it is good. Speak to the people you have a problem with as soon as possible. Second, we need to experience the Spirit. So I want you to sing with us. We've already talked about that. I want you to sing with us and get excited. I want you to belt it out. My friend, he said, I'm, I'm tone deaf and handy clapped. And that meant he couldn't clap on beat and he couldn't sing. And he joked about it, but he was bad, real bad. He was our children's worship leader. True story for another day. Experienced the Spirit because he had so much joy. And then we're going to take communion in just a moment. And I want you to participate if you're ready. If you need to go get bread and juice, you can go do that. Or observe. Don't check out. Watch. Experience communion, God. Finally, engage in community. Engage in community. Go after it. Share this message. If someone needs to hear it, share this message. And then you can also go to the lobby, you can, our digital lobby. You can share this message. You can go to the digital lobby and talk to people afterwards. You can ask questions. You can ask for someone to walk through confession with you. We're going to have staff there in a moment. And finally, I'd ask you to fill out our connect card. There you can ask for prayer requests. You can ask for something from a pastor. Let us know you're here. Engage in community. If we do this, we will light up the world and the darkness will not prevail. For some of you, this is hitting you hard. Some of you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. See, he died for you so that we could be children of light. He died so that you could be adopted. Did you know that? Adopted into this beautiful multi-ethnic family this messed up but beautiful group of people who are being transformed by God. Your adoption comes with a price. Giving up your will and choosing to let God shine his light inside you and to follow him and do whatever he asks you to do. This is not easy, clearly, but it's so good. If you want to make this decision, I encourage you to talk to him now no matter when you're listening to this, no matter where you're at, he is with you. There's no mistakes with God. He knows where you're at in this moment. So I want you to pray with me. That's just talking to God. And then I want you to dive into what he has next for you. So let's close our eyes. We can bow our heads. 
And what we're doing in this moment is just speaking to God. And you can repeat after me out loud or in your heart. You can make this your own. But tell God that you're broken, that you need Him. Tell God that you believe He paid a price for you through Jesus. That Jesus died so you might live. And then ask God. Ask God to come be in your life. Tell Him you accept His sacrifice. Tell Him that you're choosing to follow Jesus the rest of your days. And know in this moment that if you have done that, that you are receiving the Holy Spirit and that God is putting light inside of you. That God is diving down deep inside of you and is starting to light things up. It says in the word of God that someday he will be our light and there will be no darkness or shadows. It will just be him. And he's beginning that process in you right now. And you will shine bright. And God, would you teach us all to be children of light. Let it be so.